Hello once again, friends. It's Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida, and this is this week's edition of the Foundry Church podcast. Uh, what you're about to hear is week eight of our current series called The Many Faces of God. We're taking a walk through the Enneagram and uh, just familiarizing ourselves and exploring this really great uh, tool to better understand ourselves and the people in our lives and uh, to better understand the nature and character of God. Uh, this week, uh, we talked about Enneagram Fives, the investigator, the observer. Um, these might be the people in your life who um, maybe sometimes are the quietest, uh, but also uh, oftentimes are the ones who ask the best questions and who um, seem to be always interested in what they can learn, uh, particularly about how things fit together and how things work together. Um, so if that uh, hopefully has piqued your interest, then continue on uh, and listen to this message from our pastor, Seth Kane. Uh, this is week eight, uh, Enneagram Fives. Good morning. Welcome. I'm so very glad you're here, whether you're joining us in person or online. My name is Seth, and this is The Foundry, where we're all about a better you and a better world. Uh, we are on the back inside of our series called The Many Faces of God, and what we've been doing is using this spiritual growth tool known as the Enneagram to help us do this very thing that Jesus had instructed us to do in Matthew chapter 22, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So today, we continue with type five of the nine types of the Enneagram uh, with the investigator slash observer that has kind of two different names here. Um, so let's start by having the good Dr. Deborah Brayboy speak to us a little bit about the five. Take a look. Good morning, Foundry family. Today we're going to talk about Enneagram fives, the investigative thinker. So we're moving into the head triad, which is fives, sixes, and sevens. And for the investigative thinker, we're gonna start with the childhood message. Remember, it's not true, but they believe it to be true. And their message is it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. So a type five child might think that their needs were a problem that other people couldn't be troubled with. So that's where they get into that investigative thinking mode because it's like, I have to solve my problems on my own. Now, perhaps they just internalized. Maybe there were other siblings and they didn't want to bother anybody and they just figure, I can do this on my own. I can handle it. But what happens is over time, they really take this to, to their core being that they don't want to bother other people and it's not okay to be comfortable in the world. So where this takes us to next is our core longing, our core desire, and our core fear. So the core longing is your needs, type five, your needs are not a problem. The core fear is being thought of incapable or incompetent um, or even ignorant, having obligations placed upon them or their energy depleted. We'll talk more about their energy here in a little bit, but that's a core fear for a five. Their core desire is just being known and seen and perceived and believed by others to be knowledgeable, capable, incompetent. The core weakness then for a five is avarice, feeling they lack inner resources and that too much interaction with others will lead to catastrophic depletion, withholding themselves then 
from contact with the world, holding on to their resources, and then also minimizing their own needs. So type fives are perceptive and innovative observers, and they walk through life with a curiosity and a craving to learn new things. Their inquisitive mind can be objective and practical, making wise decisions based on reason and knowledge. So they feel, type fives, that they lack inner resources, their energy level, and that too much interaction with others will lead, like I said, to catastrophic depletion of their energy reserves. I know that sounds like, oh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, but it really can for type fives. So the way I describe it is most people go to sleep at night, wake up in the morning refreshed if they've got a good eight, nine hours of sleep, and they're ready to start the day 100% rejuvenated. Type fives wake up and they hit their max, but they're only at like 20%. They don't have the same energy level that everybody else has. So they protect it as the day goes on. And if the morning starts with something that's going to involve a meeting, interaction with other people, then they're going to have to find a way to, to kind of recharge throughout the day to get through the rest of the day. So they're always trying to protect their energy level because they don't have the same um, breadth that everybody else does. Therefore, they can find, uh, we can find that they isolate themselves, hold on to their resources, and even minimize their needs. Um, fives, like nines, um, sometimes can struggle with making decisions. The reason, though, is different. Um, nines want to think about everybody else and avoiding conflict, but fives are like, is this a decision that's going to require energy? <laughs> if this is something insignificant that I don't have to be the one to decide, somebody else do it. Because again, they're preserving their energy. Fives love knowledge. Despite their insatiable thirst for thinking and knowing, fives experience the world as an intrusive and overwhelming place. Lots of interaction, lots of things to pull on them and drain their energy. Feeling that life demands too much of them, they focus their attention then on conserving their energy and resources to avoid that depletion. So this intense desire to hoard and control their environment can, can interfere with their relationships as they become extremely private and they can become emotionally distant too. The type fives fear not knowing or being enough coupled with their desire for independence, and it can cause them to withdraw, isolate, and be emotionally distant. They often feel that they must know everything before they share their insights, and they fear feeling incompetent, which overwhelms them and causes them to retreat. This desire to have knowledge and independence and a life free from obligations can strain relationships since Connection, feelings, and vulnerability are natural components to a healthy relationship. But when a five is healthy, they are profoundly perceptive and capable of original, brilliant, and inventive solutions to problems. I love having friends who are fives. They are great to um, speak into my life. And I take advantage sometimes of the fact that if they don't know something, they will find it out. <laughs> So I hope you have a good friend who's a five today, and I hope you learned something about them. Have a blessed day.
All right. Thank you, Dr. Deb. Here's our quick uh, summary right here. Uh, they are from the thinking center, which means they operate out of the mind. Their dominant emotion is fear. Basic fear, does, uh, being useless, helpless, or incapable. Basic desire to be capable and competent. So their key motivations then, they want to possess knowledge, to understand the environment, to have everything figured out as a way of defending the self from the threats of the environment. Okay, they grow towards the eight, which is the challenger. They stress or disintegrate towards the seven, which is the enthusiast. So let's go to our little art project here. Um, and if you are a five or know you're a five, what color of the three <laughs> remaining colors that are all very similar do you think that we should use? Notice I didn't say feel that we should use. What color do you think we should use? Medium. Medium. Is that this one? Okay, okay. I'll go with that one. <laughs> we, have, we have three shades of blue left. I'm blue. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here we go. All right. So, the uh, five, four, let's see. This is the five, right? This guy. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm, did you say no? Don't, don't do that to me. I'm like tying it, and you're going, no, no, no. Oh, crap. What do you do? All right. So, the five uh, is here. So when the five is in a good place, let's go to the eight. When they are healthy, when they are integrated into themselves, they're able to become a bit more decisive. They're able to become a bit more self-confident and maybe even a bit more active. When a five is in an unhealthy place, a place of disintegration, a place of stress, they will stress to the seven where they will become um, a bit scattered. Oh, no. We just had a catastrophic failure. They will become a bit scattered, um, maybe a bit aloof, maybe a bit disorganized, like an unhealthy seven. I think we'll call, well, that's good for now. We can fix that later. That works. There you go. Okay, so um, I've been blessed to know a couple of fives in my life, uh, to have them interact with them. Fives are great, but they are kind of difficult to like get a handle on. They can be a bit mysterious. Fives are, are, are kind of, they're kind of hard to be friends with. They're, they're great if you need some advice, like they'll do that. But if you require a lot of attention as a person, you, you might be out of luck. Like, they, I'm sorry, they, they just need space. They don't like a lot of drama or conflict. The upside to being a, a friends with a five is that they don't require a lot from you. They're kind of like a cactus, right? Just... Just a little water here and there, and then other than that, they'll be fine out in the desert alone in the heat. Like, they'll be okay. So they're, 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 they're okay to have around. Uh, I was chatting with a lady five one day, and she was talking about all the hobbies that she was into, because fives are curious. They want to learn. They want to grow. Um, and, and she was like, I just, I'll get absorbed into one particular thing, and I'll just all in on that thing, and then I'll figure it out and do everything I need to do, and then eventually I'll move on to something else. And so she was saying... She learned this like fairly complex, um, like Ukrainian method of egg dyeing or painting or something. I stopped paying attention, but she was like really into it. And then she was like, I did all the research, I bought all the stuff, and then I did it, and then like I did it twice, and then I moved on. Do you want to learn how to do Ukrainian egg dyeing? Because I have all the stuff and I can teach you how to do it. That's what. That's what she said to me, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, the same Lady Five talked about like her limited energy, which we heard a lot from Dr. Deb, uh, her dislike of large social gatherings. Social gatherings can take a lot out of a five because they're seeing everything, right? Like one five was telling me about his, his, 
trouble that he has going to like a kid's birthday party or something because he sees everything that's happening like all at the same time. Like he sees the, the moms over here doing their thing and they're having their particular discussion. The dad's over here and they're doing their thing, having their particular discussion. And then like, how come Billy has a fifth piece of cake? Like nobody's seeing this. Like shouldn't, shouldn't somebody stop Billy? And then Susie, why does Susie have the garden shears now and she's chasing other kids? Like, could, and so they just see everything that's happening. And so it can be, it could be a bit too much. So they need space. They need rest more than any other type. They're not avoiding you, right? Their need for space isn't an indicator of a lack of love for you, right? They just need to recharge. Maybe like a key theme to keep in mind with the five is like, it's not you, it's them, right? Like, it's probably not you. Sometimes it will be you, but normally it's not you, it's them. It's just them. Just give them some space, right? Like fives, fives are like the cats of the Enneagram, yeah? Next week, the six loyalists, they're like the dogs of the Enneagram. Fives are like the cats, you know? They're a bit like, yeah, yeah. Fives feel things. They do. They might not look like it, but they feel things, but it's typically in hindsight. So in the moment that something is happening, if they're a five or if you know you're a five, you won't really be able to tell what they're thinking or feeling. They may be happy. They may be sad. They may be irate. You don't really know. It's just kind of they're there. They're observing all of it they will begin to feel when they go back and replay that memory in their head. They, they, they can go to a concert and observe it and people will go like, did you have fun? They're like, yeah. But then as they rethink it, they're like, oh, it was actually really great. Did you see all this thing that happened, this thing that happened? No, I didn't see it because they were like involved in the show and this person was just simply watching and observing everything else. Now, the really interesting thing about the five is, uh, and this is another thing that makes them a bit confusing, is that their gift is also their curse. Okay, and this is unlike any of the other types in the Enneagram. This can be summed up and described in one word, and that one word is detachment. Detachment is both their gift and their curse. For, for the five, this detachment is their gift because it allows them to have this great insight, this great perspective, to be objective with what they're, uh, with what they're taking in. But the curse of it is that this detachment if they're not careful, can actually lead them to being like in a place of unhealthy isolation. So it is both the gift and the curse. You see, fives don't just see the things in front of them. First, they see everything. And then they don't just see the thing that's there. They see the thing that's behind the thing that's behind the thing. And so they're able to take a lot of information and find like the common thread or ties that run through everything. Or, or they're able to connect the dots to all these different things in, in ways that most people don't see as related. And so because they can do this, they are a great source of advice, wisdom, and insight, right? A healthy five reflects the wisdom and truth of God. Okay, so here's a few memes to help us out a little bit. These ones are pretty funny. Uh, fives explaining what LMAO means to them in their family group text. LMAO equals leave me alone, OMG. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, fives faking emotional reactions so people don't think they're robots. Jim is gone. He's gone. I miss him so much. Oh, I cry myself to sleep. Jim. False. I do not miss him. <laughs> fives ex being expressionless no matter how happy they are. Me when I'm having a good time. This is my happy face. All right, next one. Enneagram 5, connecting the dots on everything in life. <laughs> this is what they're continually doing in their head. Pins and red lines, and it, it's all connected. All right, a few famous people who are fives. 
Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking, Vincent Van Gogh, Salvador Dali, Emily Dickinson, Frederick Nietzsche, Stephen King, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Jane Goodall, Eckhart Tolle, Kurt Cobain, Peter Gabriel, Tom York, Alfred Hitchcock, Tim Burton, and Dr. Gregory House. Who doesn't love House, by the way, right? Like, everybody loves House. Even if you don't like them, you still kind of love them. All right, now real quick, our, our, a new section we're adding, like how the Enneagram types behave in a particular situation. I figured since we're going into summer and we're planning to go on trips, we should do Enneagrams types planning for a trip, okay? So type one, the perfectionist, list on list on list on list. Type two, the helper, helping, the helper helping. Oh, we, did something skip there? The helper is helping everybody but themselves. They're helping everybody else to pack except their own bags. Type three, the achiever, finding all the things to do so that every day is full, uh, is full and no time is wasted. Type four, the individualist, they're creating the perfect playlist and daydreaming about how great the trip will be. Type five, the investigator, resting up, or researching the history of the town you're staying in. Type six, the loyalists, they're notifying their bank that they will be traveling. <laughs> uh, I won't even, yeah, okay. So type seven, enthusiasts, uh, stocking up on supplies at Target and getting giddy over excitement, with excitement over all the fun they're about to have. Type eight, the challenger, they're divvying up driving responsibilities so that it's fair. <laughs> type nine, the peacemaker, Packs everything the day before and not even stressed about it. There you go. So that, that should help you as you're uh, working with your family to take a trip. All right. Now, uh, there are a few examples of fives in the Bible. Uh, some suggest Luke might be a five. He's a doctor. He's a writer. He wrote the book of Luke, the book of Acts. He's a person of insight and wisdom and intelligence. Some suggest somebody like uh, Doubting Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, who had to see the evidence before he believed. I, I saw somebody making a case for Zacchaeus and some of the stuff that was going on with him. Um, I also believe there's a case to be made for Nicodemus. Nicodemus possibly a five. Um, so let's look at the story of Nicodemus and his interaction with Jesus. Uh, John chapter three, this is their first interaction. Now, there was a Pharisee, a, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay, so he comes to Jesus at night. Why would he come to Jesus at night? Well, a couple reasons. One, he's not going to be as busy, hopefully. Two, he's probably going to be alone, right? Now, this would maybe cause some problems, because if he was seen fraternizing with Jesus, who the Pharisees were not fans of, it could get him in a whole lot of trouble. But also, if he's a five, maybe he did it at night because there was no crowd, because they don't like crowds. Also, if he's a five, like fives tend to be a bit secretive by nature. That's just kind of how they operate. They don't like the attention, so they stay in the shadows a little bit. Okay, not only that, but did you catch what the five, the observer, the investigator says? He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, and no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Which means what? Which means the five, the observer, has been watching and observing Jesus. And now what he's doing, he's coming to investigate further. So Nicodemus, if he's this five, he's been doing what the five would do. He's observing and then investigating further. Now, Jesus knows, of course, that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which means he's a student of the law, primarily the oral law for the Pharisees. So he's got some sense of intelligence. He's got some sort of insight to the word, uh, to, to the law. And then Jesus responds in a way that's fascinating because it's, it's like the perfect response to this type of personality because it really throws them off, right? Like, okay, so watch what Jesus says. Jesus replies, 
Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Okay, so if you're Nicodemus, like this would have been kind of like, a, like what are you talking about? Because this immediately takes him out of the realm of logic and, and reasoning, which as a five, he would have been very comfortable with. Jesus in this response moves him, moves him into this realm of like mystery. Because if you'd never heard that before, like what does that even mean? <laughs> right? Like you, most of you have probably heard something like this. So you're like, yeah, 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 we get it. But if you would never, if this was the first time, this is a weird thing to say in response to that question. So what does the five do? The five asks questions. Of course, verse four. Well, how can someone be born uh, when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Okay, so he's asking these questions. He's trying to take these pieces of this new puzzle and fit it all together, trying to figure out how does it work. But Jesus doesn't give in to this. He throws them for another bit of a loop here. Watch this, verse five. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit, right? Uh, if this was the first time you're hearing all this, especially as a five, this would be weird. The, like the, the mind of the five would be a bit confused, maybe a little bit overwhelmed, maybe a bit excited, maybe a bit curious, maybe a bit intrigued all at the same time in the best possible way. But this does not fit into his rational, systemic understanding of who God is and how God works. The thing that he's worked so long in his life to study and research and observe and investigate and develop how he believes God to function. So what does the five do? He asks another question. But this question to me, it's, like, it's almost like filled with a little bit of wonder. Watch what he says, verse nine. How can this be? <laughs> How can this be? I don't understand. Like, how is this a thing that's even possible? This to me is a question that sums up like probably a million other questions that are rolling around in his head. But he just, the only thing he can get out is like, but why? <laughs> how does this work? Right? And then Jesus gives him this like little kind of pushback, this little, this little rebuke. But in, when I read this, I hear this like with, with a bit of a wink. Right? Listen to what Jesus says. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Right? Like he's, I think this is a very loving, like, oh, you're so sweet sort of kind of moment, right? It's Jesus kind of lovingly going, it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. Your value is not found in how much you know. It's like if you're a parent giving like new insight to your kids, right? Like when you drop like a new life fact on them, they've never thought about or contemplated or whatever. And you can just see like their mind kind of spinning. It's like you see the apple rainbow death wheel behind their eyes, just trying to contemplate whatever this new knowledge is. Like I kind of see that's what's happening. But here's the thing. My kids don't have to have everything figured out for me to love them. For the fives, you don't have to have everything figured out in order to be loved by God or the people around you. Accept that you're accepted as you are. Okay, one last thing here about Nicodemus. He shows up a couple other times. This is like the last time. It's concerning the burial of Jesus, okay? This is um, Matthew chap or John chapter 19, verse 38. <clears throat> Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Obviously, this is after the crucifixion. It would be weird if it was before. 
Um, now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders, with Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. Uh, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. G uh, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Okay, so Nicodemus apparently has observed enough and investigated enough that he's like gonna be a part of this whole thing. So he's one of the last couple people that are part of burying the body of Jesus. And not only does he help with this process, but it says that he brings and offers 75 pounds of like spices. Have you ever thought about how much that is? Like we read that story and we're so focused on like, oh, it's the death that leads to the resurrection. Yeah, but like this little moment, this little scene is, is, is incredible. 75 pounds of spices, right? Most, most scholars estimate that this would be like four times as much spices as uh, somebody would have used for just the average person, right? I, I saw some estimates about a modern, the modern equivalent, like cost-wise, what it would cost us today would be something like, $150,000 to $200,000. This is not cheap. This is a big expense. You don't do something like this for an average person. You would only really do something like this for somebody that you thought was some sort of royalty, maybe a, maybe a king, maybe somebody that you've been watching and studying and figured out there's more to it. Maybe he is exactly who he says he is, and I'm willing to be generous with what I've been given to show my love and response to him. This generosity is like something you would see out of a healthy five. Right? A healthy five reflects God's wisdom and truth. Now, wisdom, like, in general, it's kind of hard to sort through. We have an idea what it is. We know, yeah, that's wise. We can often tell the difference between a wise and an unwise decision. But, like, how do you, how do you paint that? How do you give that picture of God to ourselves in a way that makes sense? So I, I figured, well, let's start with the difference between, like, knowledge and wisdom, right? We know what knowledge is. Knowledge is the acquiring of facts and information, right? It's the hard data. I know how to change the oil in my car. I know the difference between alligators and crocodiles. I know, uh, like, the trash goes out on Tuesday. I know the birth dates of my children, approximately. <laughs> oh, poor kids. That's knowledge. Wisdom, on the other hand, of course, has to do with, like, insight and understanding. Wisdom is seeing through. Wisdom is taking the knowledge that you have and having a sense of how to navigate it or handle it or how to, to sort through it and use it wisely, to use that knowledge rightly. You can have knowledge without wisdom, right? I see this all the time. I see people that I know technically are way smarter than I am, but then I watch how they behave and how they act and the decisions they make, and I'm like, man, they're kind of dumb sometimes, right? Like, what happened there? You can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. It's not just the acquiring of information. It's taking that information and using it rightly, right? Like, I know the strengths and weaknesses of my wife. I have that knowledge. <laughs> it's my wisdom that helps me to know not to point out the weaknesses. <laughs> yeah? Like, what's the saying? Maybe you've heard it, like, um, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, Wisdom is knowing not to put it in the fruit salad, right? That's, that, there's this big difference here. So when we're talking about God, yes, obviously we understand that God has 
the knowledge. God has all the knowledge. God is the one who created and knows all things. God knows the creation they created. Psalms 147 says this, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. Next verse, Luke chapter 12, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So God knows the stuff. God knows the number of hairs on your head. God knows the number of stars in the sky. God has the knowledge of all things. But God doesn't just have knowledge. God has wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. In Job chapter 28, there's this little interlude in the story of Job. Um, The whole section is actually titled, uh, Where is Wisdom Found? And so you see these questions like, Where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Where does wisdom come from? And so in Job 28, verse 23, um, speaking to this idea of wisdom, it says this, God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Sees everything under the heavens. God is the source of wisdom. God alone knows where it dwells. And I love that it says, God views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. So yes, God knows, but God is also this source of wisdom. God also sees. God has the understanding. God has the insight to use that knowledge rightly. I actually think we see an example of this in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. We know that God knows us from our innermost being to the very number of hairs on our head. And so God uses that knowledge rightly for our benefit. In all things, God works together, uh, works for the good of those who love him. This is what you would call wisdom. I know that the tomato is a fruit, but I'm also wise enough to know not to put it with the bananas, right? This is the difference. This is the difference. God's knowledge is beyond our comprehension. God's wisdom is infinite. And what's incredible is that not only is it just this vast thing that's even hard for us to comprehend, but God has a desire to share God's wisdom with us as best as our finite minds can like, process. James 1, chapter five, uh, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Like God is not stingy with his wisdom. God is not stingy with his wisdom. Some of you need to look into this. <laughs> A lot of us need to look into this. It's interesting. It's right there in the Bible. It, we could be wiser. We just have to ask We just have to ask. He's not stingy with it. Uh, And and then one more thing here when it comes to wisdom of God, and I absolutely love this thought and idea and possible connection, okay? So check this out. Proverbs 3.19, by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. Now, there are several places within the scripture where there, there, there is this connection to wisdom and like the creation of all things, this isn't the only place, a couple different places. And then in Proverbs chapter eight, this is really cool section where it talks about the presence of wisdom like around the time of creation. 
So wisdom in, in the wisdom literature is always like personified as a woman, right? So wisdom, she is always inviting us to herself. She is always calling us into her presence. In Proverbs chapter eight, we see her, that is wisdom, speaking about her involvement with creation. Okay, check out what wisdom says in Proverbs chapter eight, verse 22. She says, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Now it skips down, it keeps doing this for a few more verses. Skip down to verse 29. But when he gave the sea its boundaries, so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. So the wisdom of God was before the creation of all things. The wisdom of God took delight in what was created, took delight in mankind. And it was wisdom that the, that the Lord used to lay the earth's foundation. It's almost like wisdom has been a part of this whole thing, infused into all that is since before the very beginning. And so what is the five called? The investigator, the observer. They are the ones who are always watching and learning and studying and paying attention to anything and everything. They are the ones who are continually acquiring the knowledge of the world that we live in. And then what they're good at doing is taking this knowledge and making the connections. They're able to use this knowledge rightly. They're seeing the data and they're able to see through the data to the bigger picture, the, the deeper story. They're the ones putting the pins and all the things and making all the connections that help the rest of us to see how it all works together. It's like they're observing what has been made and then pointing to the wisdom that was there from the very beginning. The wisdom who was taking delight in the process. It's like they have this ability to tap into the thing behind the thing for the sake of revealing what was there all along. Right, this is the gift of the five. This is the gift of the five. So if you feel like you need some advice, if you need some insight, if you need maybe some wisdom, some godly wisdom, maybe you feel like God hasn't made things super clear for you in a particular aspect of your life. Maybe you feel like you keep praying and you're not getting much of a response. Maybe you need to find yourself a healthy five. This is like what they were made for. This is what they were built for. They reflect the wisdom and the truth of God. I mean, you, you may have to go to the cave where they're hiding to find them, <laughs> to ask them, but this is what they're good at. This is why they are here. Right? So if you're a five, here's a few tips for growth. Number one, stay connected to your physicality. Right? Don't let all of your thinking become a trap uh, and prevent you from experiencing the moment in front of you. Things like exercise, yoga, running, jogging, meditation, all these things like working out, they're all good for you to be connected to your body. Number two, practice generosity, not just with your stuff because most of the time fives aren't super materialistic, um, but with your time and your energy, uh, which is the thing that you're desperately trying to protect most of the time. Number three, don't get distracted by all the things that you want to learn, but don't support your life direction. It's easy for a five to get... I want to learn this, I want to learn this, I want to learn this. And then you get so scattered that it doesn't actually move you forward. It's just knowledge, which is fine, but also you need the wisdom. So stay in the vein of something that's going to like 
move you in a particular direction. And number four, don't be so quick to detach. Fives don't love conflict. It's much easier for them to cut somebody out than it is to work through the conflict. This is coming from a place of fear. It's easier for them just to, to let go, to put up a wall. So don't be ruled by fear if you're a five, right? Be, be mindful of your detachment, your, your tendency to detach. Uh, here's your note uh, for the self, for the five. Dear self, be generous with your emotions, showing others you're rich in our world. Remember, you don't need to pull back because God will meet all your needs. Let me read that again. Fives, be generous with your emotions, showing others you're rich in our world. Remember, you don't need to pull back because God will meet all your needs. All right, if you're in a relationship with a five, if you love a five, here's a few tips to help you love your five to get along with them. Maybe your kid is one, maybe your spouse is one, maybe your neighbor is one, this will help you. One, uh, give them time and space. Like we keep hearing, life is generally draining for a five. They need to have the ability to recharge. Number two, in like having a relationship, conversation, interaction with the five, speak directly and keep it brief. They're not big fans of like endless rambling. Just get to the point and let them dwell on it for a little while. Number three, uh, independence is key. Uh, they don't like to be dependent on others and they don't like to depend on other, uh, they don't like for others to de depend on them. So this is important to keep in mind in your interaction. If you feel like, what's wrong with them? They don't ever, it's part of how they operate. This is some of the, they need help with. Sometimes you gotta give them space. You have to use wisdom in dealing with the wisdom type. Yeah, okay. Next, um, ask for their advice. They won't typically offer this up freely, but if you ask them to give it, uh, they, they will, and, and it will be good, and it will probably be what you need. But just be careful, though, because if you ask for it and then you don't take it or you don't value it or you zone out while they're giving it to you, they probably won't do it again. Just be mindful of this. And then lastly, gently encourage them into activities, right? Again, fives need uh, help getting out of their head and into their bodies. Uh, just don't be in their face about it. Just offer it and let it be. Realize that if they decline, it's not because they don't love you, yeah? Just don't be in their face about it. Uh, for me, all of this stuff, when it comes to dealing with people, uh, this has helped me so much because it's helped me to see that the things that I might find frustrating about other people and other people's personalities, this has helped me to come to see that that very thing may be the thing that's teaching me something about the nature and character of God, right? So, so if you find yourself looking at a five and getting frustrated at a few things, like how come they can't just go to the party and dance? They're probably not going to. It's, it's okay, right? Be, be patient with them. Or maybe you get frustrated because like, why do they have to disappear and go take a nap? Or like, why do they need so much alone time? Why don't they just want to be with me? Or if you find yourself getting irritated because like, how come they can't just give me a simple answer to something instead of presenting all the facts and information from all the sides of the discussion? <laughs> like, maybe keep in mind that even though these things may drive you crazy, it is in fact the five's ability to observe all the things to observe all the things. It, it, it's their, their great sense of curiosity. It's their ability to connect the dots and give insight to the bigger picture that is part of their gift and their superpower. The fives are the ones that bring deep wisdom and truth and insight into the world, but they're not just bringing it into the world for no reason. They're bringing it into the world to help transform it. That's what they're trying to do. And that's what we need. The five reflects the wisdom and truth of God. And when I can learn to see this in them, 
When I can learn to see this in them, it gives me a greater appreciation for who they are, which helps me to love my neighbor better. And when I can learn to see this in them, it gives me like this tangible example for who God is. And if I can learn to see this in them, it helps me to have a better understanding of who God is and what God is like, which hopefully will help me to love God better. And so according to Jesus, like loving God and loving others is like the most important things we're supposed to be doing. We are the many faces of the God who created us and whose image we've been created in. And so we need each other to be the absolute best version of ourselves that we possibly can be so that we collectively have a more complete picture of who God is. We're going to go into our time of communion, a time where we honor and reflect and remember the great lengths that God has endured to be in relationship with us, that God offered God's self to us in the form of Jesus, that through his life, his death, and resurrection, we are offered freedom, we are offered forgiveness, and new life. And so we take these emblems, the bread and the juice that represent the body and the blood of Jesus, and we remember that this is where we find our hope. So when you're ready, we have our ushers around our building. Uh, you can get up and, and uh, partake in the emblems. Uh, we also have our prayer people that are here. Uh, if you're joining us uh, online, live currently, um, we ask that you participate with us in this moment, get the stuff you need to get. Uh, if you're here and you're in need of some sort of wisdom, some sort of insight, maybe you need some prayer. We, our prayer people are here. would love to pray over you, for you. Maybe you have a decision to make today about like, I need to draw closer to the source of wisdom that is God. Yeah, come do that. We'd love to talk to you about that. What does that look like? How does that happen? This is a space and a time for you for you to grow, to have this moment with your creator. Um, we're gonna do our two prayers today, like we've been doing, a type-specific prayer, and then a generalized prayer. Hopefully for each type, this will speak deep to who you are. And if this is not your type, this will help you to understand and gain some perspective on the types and what they wrestle with, what they struggle with, what they need to hear. Okay, so we'll do that type, and then we'll close. Here we go, type five prayer. Dear God, awaken in me my full knowing that I may remember my heart's desire. Give me eyes to see the many ways that life is abundant, the blessings offered me each day. Empty me now of my need for predictability that stifles my spontaneity. Dissolve the stingy part of me that contracts me and withholds my gifts and love from others. Give me the wisdom to know when to think and when to act. Calm my fears and instill in me the courage to open my heart and engage with others, knowing I'll be nourished. As I come to my full senses, I offer gratitude for my body's wisdom. May I begin each day grounded in that wisdom and in my presence, knowing that I have enough time, energy, information and passion to live fully engaged in life. Well, thank you for that message, Seth. Um, hopefully at some point uh, in this series uh, or at some point over the next two weeks as we finish out the last of the, of the numbers in the Enneagram, you have felt seen and heard uh, in a big way. 
Um, or maybe you have recognized someone uh, who is dear to you in your life um, in one of these messages. Um, this week especially, I, I feel like I, I was thinking of people that I've always considered wise. And I, I really appreciated the discussion of wisdom uh, and how wisdom is um, such an integral attribute of God that wisdom is often in Scripture personified almost independently of God. People speak to wisdom and wisdom speaks back, uh, which is just incredible uh, when you think about it. Um, wisdom of God seems to be sort of on the level of like the love of God or the holiness of God, the greatness of God, uh, which is pretty incredible to think about. Um, anyways, I'm rambling. Uh, let's end this podcast. Uh, we'll hope you'll join us next week as we continue this jaunt through the Enneagram. Next week, of course, we'll be on the Enneagram sixes, and uh, we we'll hope that you will join us for that. Uh, for now, though, uh, I'm Joseph. This is the Foundry Church Podcast. We'll see you next time.